Hi everyone, welcome back to The Glass Room. I hope you had a great week and your weekend has been going on smoothly so far. I have had an amazing week, busy but but great. I also hope that you've been enjoying the stories and I hope that they've not only been keeping you entertained but they've also opened up something inside of you. Um, it might be that you can relate to the characters, you know, it could be anything. But I hope that it's inspired you to think differently about life. Um, today I went to church and there, there was a word that was spoken in church and that was around power, the power of God. And if you're a Christian, I'm sure that's not a foreign concept to you. The power of God is just incredible. It works within the hearts of God's people. And that's something we need to exercise in every area of our life. The, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that is something that you should know is at your disposal. And that is something that you should be ready to exercise in every area of your life. You should understand that God, through his Holy Spirit, has given you the power of love and of a sound mind. You know, power and of love and of a sound mind. So I hope that you step into this new week um, thinking about that, meditating on that. And yeah. So we're going to move on to Willow's episode five. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, have a great week and remain blessed. Bye-bye. Willow's episode five. There are a lot of unbelievable things that happen in the world. Unbelievable because the human mind cannot or will not envision them. Meeting Daniel again at the nightshade was certainly an unbelievable thing. Something my mind would never have conjured up. For four and a half years, I had successfully imprisoned memories of Daniel. One might say I had what the medical community would describe as selective amnesia. However, upon seeing Daniel that night, all those memories broke free from the impenetrable prison that held them securely locked in. The beautiful, the painful, and even the bitter memories all came flooding in. I could barely breathe. I felt like all the oxygen had escaped the room. My vision became unclear and my mind was foggy. I exchanged glances with Joyce. Her eyes were widened in disbelief. Tano wore an expression of shock as our eyes met, which was replaced with a smile that spread across his lips and reached his eyes. I composed myself mentally, quickly collecting my thoughts and plastered a polite neutral smile on my face. Introductions were made and 
Daniel declared that he, Joyce, and I had already been acquainted. The urge to suddenly disappear from that table came upon me. I wanted to disappear into thin air, but my pride would not let me leave that table. Joyce texted, asking if I wanted to leave. I replied, no. I knew this moment would make all the difference in my life, and I could not afford to be the weaker party. I would give the most stellar acting performance of my life, one that even Steven Spielberg would be proud of. This was my scene, and I intended to act it out excellently. I did my best for the rest of the night to act like everything was normal. I joined in the jokes, the general banter, and overall merriment. I did not let my eyes rest on Daniel, nor did I avoid him. I made sure to behave as if he didn't leave my heart with the biggest scar ever. Physically, Daniel had changed. He had become more appealing manly, more muscular, more mature and more confident. He seemed to be calmer in disposition but his eyes betrayed otherwise. It held within it the ferocity of a lion eyeing its prey, me. He did not bother to hide the fact that he was observing me. Closely, he drank me in watching every movement I made. After two hours, I felt like I had had enough of the atmosphere and made excuses about being up early the next day for an errand. Joyce and I bade our farewells and we slipped into my car. I hadn't had any alcohol that night because I was driving and for once I was grateful for my sobriety. It had saved me from doing anything regrettable that night. Joyce and I didn't speak throughout the journey homewards. But when I dropped her off at her place, she asked if I was okay. I said I was and reassured her with a smile. I wasn't. Deep down, my heart was breaking. Before heading home, I went into a nearby supermarket and bought myself two bottles of spirits. I was not a spirit drinker, but I felt like I needed the fortification that only spirits could bring to process what had just happened to me. When I got home, I quickly poured myself out a drink and ran a bath. I turned on my iPod, which is connected to a speaker in the bathroom, and shamelessly listened to all of Shania Twain's albums. In the safety of my bathroom, I let all my emotions come out. They were explosive, turbulent, and almost uncontrollable. I screamed, wept, and grieved. I sank further and further into the bathtub as far as I could go. I let the warm water wash all over me. For a while, the whole world ceased to exist. I came back up for some air and started to slowly break down the events 
that had transpired an hour ago. Daniel was back. I had questions, many questions. Like where had he been all these years? What had he been up to? How had he managed to move on without me? Who did he think he was? Walking into the nightshade like he didn't pierce my hat four and a half years ago. The audacity to observe me in the company of my friends and acquaintances. I had built this life for myself. I was no longer the naive young bank teller from Worry. That girl he knew was in the past. I was now a woman. I would return Daniel to where he belonged, back into the prison my mind had crafted specially for him. I dried myself off and prepared for bed, but not before downing two more glasses of spirit. It was just what I needed to sleep through that night. My carefully laid out plan to shut Daniel completely out of my mind was disrupted the next day. The next day, which was a Saturday morning, I had just returned home from the gym and was raiding the fridge for ingredients to make a healthy breakfast when my phone rang. Eno was on the phone. He wanted me to quickly come over to his house for an impromptu meeting so we could talk through the building plans for my proposed commercial property at Agungi. Something had come up and he had to leave for Abuja that afternoon, which meant we couldn't have our planned meeting for Monday morning. I got off the phone, quickly had a shower and got dressed. Eno's house was a 15-minute drive away from mine. He met me at the door and we hugged briefly and greeted each other. He ushered me into the living room and to my utter surprise, Daniel was already seated there. This time, I did not bother to hide my shock. Eno, seeing this, quickly offered an explanation saying Daniel had popped in to see him as though this was just a sheer coincidence. I immediately knew this early morning meeting had been a convenient ruse and I was not pleased. Eno offered refreshments. I chose coffee, dark and really strong. The fortification I had gotten from the spirits I drank last night had won off. I decided strong black coffee would be my poison of choice for this coincidental meeting. The meeting kicked off shortly in the adjoining living room and I paid attention, fully ignoring Daniel's presence in the main lounge. And I gave Eno some quick feedback and we scheduled another meeting. After we were done, Eno said he'd be going upstairs to sort a few things out on account of having to get everything set up for his departure that afternoon. Daniel said he wanted to speak with me. I was angry. No, I was furious. The alacrity to barge into my life and demand an audience after all these years like nothing had happened. I wanted to tell him where I thought he could go. He could go to hell and burn to ashes. But I was curious. What did he want to speak to me about? Why had he gone through the trouble of 
forcing Eno's hand to get me to come here. After our uneventful encounter last night at the nightshade. In the end, curiosity won over fury. I agreed to hear him out. He started out by saying how pleasantly surprised he had been to see me again after all these years. I had been constantly on his mind. He told me he relocated to Canada not long after our breakup. He said he knew he had hurt me so badly by playing the coward and not fighting for us. His parents had threatened to disown him then and he had nothing of his own at the time and was reliant on his parents' financial and reputational backup. Moving away helped him build his own thing, he said. He was self-made now. He was also married. For the first time, I noticed the gold band that was on the ring finger of his left hand. I didn't feel anything and I didn't speak. His wife was pregnant, he, he said. They had met while he was away. Everything else he said seemed to pass through one ear and go through the other. I just sat there without actually seeing him or listening to him. When he was done, he called out my name, which brought me back to the room, and I found him kneeling down in front of me. He clasped my hands and said, I am sorry. I couldn't immediately speak as I honestly had not expected any of what had transpired. I felt a sense of pain grip my heart and I told him I had forgiven him. In that moment, I truly had. There was simply no reason to hold hurt in anymore. I had gotten the closure I badly needed. After I left Eno's house, I recalled our breakup conversation from years ago and how differently that was from the one we had just had. Another thought crossed my mind. Dano was married. Something about that symbolized finality for me. Years ago, I thought he would be my husband. But fate had decided this outcome and not without help from Daniel and his family. Later, I gave Joyce a good summary of what had happened. She shook her head and got upset on my behalf. He was ridiculous, she said. Anyway, he's married now, we can all finally move on. I knew she meant I could finally move on. After my mental breakdown, which ensued after my breakup with Daniel, I never discussed Daniel with anyone. Not my parents, my siblings, or my friends. Deep down, I think everyone suspected I was pining for him. He had been the one who got away. I had resolved within me to move on. No more mind prisons for Daniel. Instead, it would be an acceptance of what was never meant to be. A week after that, my resolve to move on was heavily threatened. Daniel started to cut me. This was not a possibility that I had even entertained. At first, I felt upset about it. I wanted to hurt him in some way, maybe 
spit on him, kick him. I would pummel my cushions and pillows with kicks and punches which I imagined to be his face. Afterwards, I relaxed about it and told myself to let him pursue me. This was his karma. I was sure it was God's way of taking vengeance on my behalf. As the Bible says, God will take vengeance on your behalf. Daniel worked extremely hard to woo me. I confided in Joyce about this development. At first, she advised me to turn him down, which I did. However, he relentlessly kept pursuing me. Then she advised me to play him hard and return him in tatters to his wife. This was a plan I rather liked. No one in my entire life had shamelessly pursued me the way Daniel had done. Every week brought a different present, each carefully selected for me in mind. I returned the cars, the luxury bags, the land deeds, the endless bouquets of flowers, everything. At night, I would lay in bed letting myself imagine life with Daniel something I had forbidden myself to do. Familiar feelings and longings resurfaced. I still wanted Daniel. I longed to be with him. I wanted to know him again. He had sent a handwritten note saying he wanted to know the woman I had become. I had blossomed into the most beautiful woman he had ever had the pleasure of laying eyes upon. He made a mistake years ago when he gave up on us, and that if I gave him a chance, he would never let me go. He would worship and adore me. He would cherish me and place me above any other. The words in that note were carefully written to stir the heart of a stony queen. His words moved me greatly and his actions spoke deeply of his intentions. He even enlisted the help of Eno who got to design and build a property on Banana Island, deeds of which he gifted to me. I wanted to have him back in my life. I wanted to experience life with him like we used to do. Of course, I had my worries. Like, what if he hurt me again? What if he was playing games? I assured myself that maybe intimacy would help to undo the magic of what I felt for Daniel. Perhaps he would become unattractive after I found out his newly acquired bad habits or the novelty of being with him again would wear off. At the time I was single, having broken up with a very needy lover, and I let myself be mesmerized by Daniel again. But before I did that, I strongly cautioned myself that this time I would be wiser. This time I would be the lioness and he would be my prey. This time I would call the shots from now on. I would not get hurt again.